Hi there, and welcome to a special winter meetings, uh, big signing edition of the Rashcast with Jake and John. I guess. No, we we agreed we would never say the words emergency podcast. I want that stricken from the record. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm Jake. I'm John. Uh, and obviously, you know why we're recording this gulp emergency podcast. Uh, <laughs> Steven Strasberg. Of World Series fame, and also other things. You may have heard of him. Uh, has re-signed with the Washington Nationals, a contract whose terms are sort of still coming out, but I think we have a clearer picture of how it works. Uh, the top line money is seven years and $245 million. For the moment, that means shattering the record for both highest average annual value and highest total money. For a starting pitcher in Major League history, uh, yeah. So, what's your reaction, John? Uh, my reaction is I'm pretty excited about this. I mean, I said yesterday, I forgot to check my words uh, on the yesterday's podcast, but I think I said, I mean, I know I said that Strasburg. I thought Strasburg was going to resign with the Nats. I don't know if I said it was going to happen over the winter meetings or if that was the first deal that I thought was going to happen. I don't remember. And again, we do no research on this podcast. Not even includes... into in, not even into the the podcast itself. Exactly, um, but you know this was you know something that needed to happen. I you know with this team, <laughs> it was the second best free agent starting pitching out there. It's your World Series MVP. It's the guy you guys drafted a decade ago and made into the pitcher he is today. And so it was a deal that really felt like it needed to happen. And the Nats paid a lot for it. Seven years, two forty-five is a is a big deal, but you know it's a deal that I think he's worth. He's shown in this last year pretty much exclusively um, that he was healthy. You know, this year in twenty fourteen was two healthy seasons, right? But um, he's a different pitcher now than he has been in in the past. He throws softer. He and it worked for him this year very much so. So, I don't know. I think he can develop into a different pitcher in the in the second half of his career. He already shown he has, um, and maybe who knows that guy can stay healthy. Um, yeah, there are many risks involved with this deal with a guy who's had the injury history that Strasburg has had. Well, and any time you're giving two hundred and forty five million dollars to one player, there's going to be risk. Yeah, but ultimately, you know, this is a deal that needed to be made. Um, it's hard to look back to say, like, in two years, we'll look back at this deal. Three years, we'll look back at this deal and say, man, what were the Nats thinking of by signing him? Because, you know, it's not often that an ace is on the, hits the free agent market. It yeah. It so happened that this year, two aces hit the free agent market. That was a point that I wanted to make. You know, you, we keep talking about Strasburg like he's the second best prize in this free agent market. I think that's not a great way of looking at it, and I think it very much shortchanges him. He's the best starter to come on the market i would say i mean you could debate david price but i would say the best since max scherzer did in 2015 uh who will uh-huh. but i uh, i mean obviously garrett cole was better than he is a- yeah. and with this deal being a baseline uh i think i saw uh someone handicapping the coal money at possibly as much as nine and three twenty six as just a uh, an over under, and I could see him getting more than that. 
Uh, yeah, he's going to get a lot of money. Well, because he's two years younger than Steven Strasburg, he has thrown 200 innings in three of the last four seasons. He's better than Strasburg. He struck out 326 in just the regular season alone this year, which uh, is the most since Randy Johnson in, in 2002, I think. Uh, I mean, Garrett Cole is probably the best starting pitcher to come on the free agent market, at least in terms of where he is at his peak and uh, in terms of what he's done over the past couple of seasons and in terms of the fewest amount of red flags. He's probably the best starting pitcher to come on the free agent market in a long, long time. Maybe since uh, like Randy Johnson. Or... Well, and even with Johnson, Randy Johnson, when he signed that deal, was 34 years old. That's true. I mean, it, I can't think of a really comparable player. I mean, you could say Greg Maddox, but Maddox, you know, while he was great, while he was coming off the Cy Young, he didn't have the stuff that Garrett Cole has. Uh, so in the modern free agent era... Garrett Cole, obviously, he's going to shatter by leaps and bounds uh, the the record for starting pitcher money, but he absolutely deserves it. And with starting pitching becoming more and more difficult to develop, and with teams that have had success in the past several years having success based on the strength of their starting rotations. I understand why teams are paying a premium for it, and they should be. Yeah. So just going back real quick, looking at the Price, Strasburg, and Scherzer at the time they signed their contracts. So Scherzer and Price were entering their age uh, 30 season. That's right. Strasburg entering his age 31st season. Um, but um, it's, you know, it's, in terms of ERA plus between the, the four, three of them, I mean, Strasburg's got 130. Price has got 126. Scherzer got a 117. Now, obviously, Scherzer had a Cy Young, was coming off two years removed from Cy Young. Price also had a Cy Young. Strasburg doesn't. Well, and um, I think the bigger thing with Scherzer was that he had clearly made huge steps as a pitcher over the previous two years and didn't have an injury history to speak of. Uh, when the Nats signed him in January of 2015, he had never been on the disabled list a day in his life. Yeah. Uh, so and that also, makes a big you know, yeah, and Strasburg has start at this point. I mean, he has another season, so he started about one more season worth of games than Price and Scherzer did. Um, I mean, Scherzer had fewer than that, though. Strasburg had started to start two hundred thirty nine career games, but his strikeout rate is way higher than both of them. I mean, to put it this way, Steven Strasburg is fourth all time. In K per nine. Yeah. All time. I mean, I know that there's a... 10.6 K per nine. I know that there's a big inflation rate because, uh, you know, obviously strikeouts have gotten more prevalent. But even having said that, fourth all time is nothing to sneeze at. No. Uh, And to sort of appreciate Steven Strasburg and the way he deserves to be appreciated, we're talking about a guy who, if he can stay healthy... And obviously, it's hard to tell how pitchers will age uh, or really come up with any sort of accurate aging curve for pitchers. 
I have a tendency to believe that elite starting pitchers stay effective as long as they're healthy. Uh, but, you know, that being said, we're talking about Strasburg being two more, three more prime seasons and, you know, two more acceptable seasons away from a possible spot in the Hall of Fame. He is a really, really good pitcher. 130 ERA plus over the course of his career. You know, he's been one of the best starters of his generation. And Didn't they said that at the press conference today. And it's absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I know that the money seems exorbitant and that people who are not Nats fans, I don't really see a lot of freaking out about this deal from Nats fans. Uh, but I know that people who are not, not Nats fans are freaking out at the $245 million. Uh, but... I also think Strasburg is one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball. Yeah, I would agree I with think that. He's been second billing for pretty much his whole career. Well, that's you the know, amazing thing about him is that he came in to the league as such a force. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I wonder how things would have been different had he not missed all the 2011 season. Yeah. Had he not interrupted sort of the Strasmus, uh hype train. Because by the time I remember, I went to that game on did. on september 6 2011 when he came back and i was expecting the hype train to be back i was expecting forty three thousand, and you know it was a cold night it was rainy and it was a team that was mostly out of it but there was only twenty nine thousand there mm-hmm. and i was like oh i guess people just view him as a normal pitcher now yeah i was also nominated for a fan of the game that day didn't win i lost to a baby but you well, know I mean, you practically were a baby at that point. You were what, fourteen years old? I'm not baby, I'm not. I'm not baby. <laughs> that's just. I mean, that's a nice transition into sort of a sentimental point of re-signing Steven Strasburg, which is that we're talking about a guy who now, at the end of this deal, will have been a Nat for seventeen seasons, which, by the way, would beat out Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, as of now, or possibly ever. Uh, Zimmerman would need to play two more years to get his 17th season. Uh, we'll see what happens. I, I mean, he's coming back at this point. Everyone knows. I just love that they're, they're featuring him in all the promotional materials as if he's still on the team. And he's just, mm-hmm. like, showing up. Like, he, he went to the uh, the World Series documentary unveiling. Even He was the only player to go to that, even though he's, mm-hmm. he's not on the team. Yep. So... Yeah, clearly they're going to get something done. Uh, but the point is that, you know, while, while Zim is Mr. National, uh, you know, Steven Strasburg was the first national superstar that this franchise ever had. Uh, we're talking about a guy who had the most hype debut uh, for any player in at least 75 years. Uh, and now we're talking about a guy who's won a World Series with the team and not only won one, but was the MVP of that World Series. So in my view, plaudits and accolades aside and stats aside, there was no amount of money that you could give to Steven Strasburg that I would have considered an overpay. What about one year, $300 million? <clears throat> I mean, that would have been pretty stupid. 
Yeah, but, it's never pay. You want to consider that never pay? Well, I mean, obviously, yes. Mm. But I'm thinking more in terms of years. Like, I don't think there's an amount of money over seven years. In the in the realm of reason, obviously, if you're giving him, like... <laughs> Two billion dollars. The entire state of Florida. Yeah. He just owns the state of Florida now. Good no. for him. Well, yeah. on the state of Florida. Well, it's it's one of the crappier states, but yeah, it'll be underwater soon. Anyway, the point being, Steven Strasburg is good, and I'm glad that he's going to stick around. Yep, I am too. So let's move move on from Steven Strasburg a little bit and talk about what this means for the rest of the off season going forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a lot of money to give one player. We'll be paying him thirty five million dollars next year. And we know from what Mark Lerner said last week about how we can only afford one of the two of them. However, during the press conference today, I don't know if you got a chance to watch it. I was watching it while at work, being a bad employee. Wow. But um, it, it certainly sounded like Mike better hope, definitely... What? I said you better hope that your uh, employer doesn't listen to the Rashcast. Oh, he's an avid listener. Well, it's um, a national phenomenon. Of course. Who doesn't listen to the... Who doesn't not listen to the Rashcast? Right. Um, Continue. Anyway, but Rizzo made it sound like that the door is certainly open to keeping Rendon. Um, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I, 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 $35 million to one player when you had, you know, we talked about this yesterday, $70 million of cap space before hitting the luxury tax, which, you know, soft cap and all, you know, you can go over it. And it certainly sounds like the Nets might go over it. They don't seem not, definitely not, not inclined to go over it. Right. The question is, how much will they go over at one? And two, um, you know, if they sign Rendon and Strasburg, that could be $70, $75 million between the two of them right there. Probably will be. So, uh, so, so I think you got to consider two things here, which is, one, first of all, Mike Rizzo at the press conference was clearly engaging in sort of a walk back of the things mm-hmm. that, that Mark Lerner has said. Uh, and he did the same thing last year uh, when Mark Lerner basically in, in December said, yeah, Stephen Str- or, uh, Bryce Harper is not coming back. Uh, he came out, Rosa did, and he, he walked that back and said, we never closed the door, we're still listening. Uh, and part of that, you'd imagine, is obviously for the PR purposes – Part of that is because Rizzo clearly still wants Anthony Rendon, uh, and he still thinks that he might be able to convince the Lerner family to, to crush that luxury tax threshold and all that. Part of that is obviously that he was sitting at a table with Scott Boris, who is the agent for Anthony Rendon. Uh, but to your point about the $75 million uh, over a season – there's a real question as to how the Nats account for all the money that they've spent because they have some very, we'll call them creative contracts. And this Strasburg extension or free agent deal, whatever you want to call it, is one of those. Uh, it's maybe less so than people thought when they saw that overall top line number of 245, but $80 million of that is deferred. Uh, it's deferred with simple interest, 1% a year, to be paid out through 27, 2027 to 2029. 
So the overall value of the contract is pretty close to $245 million in terms of net present value. Uh, but $80 million are deferred with $11.4 million deferred annually, which means that the Nats will be paying Steven Strasburg $24 million a year for the next uh, seven. So, and they're paying... Uh, Max Scherzer, $15 million a year for the next 14, or, well, I guess the next nine now. Uh, God, he's already through five years of that contract. It's pretty insane. Uh, but the point of this being that luxury tax, we know how they account for the Scherzer and the Strasburg deals. The luxury tax accounts for Scherzer's deal at about 28 seven million dollars and it'll count for Strasburg at somewhere in the 34 to 35 million range uh but we don't know how the Nats view total expenditures we don't know if they view them on an annual basis we don't know how their viewpoint has changed with the mass and money now coming through so we don't know if they have a a cap in terms of a payroll uh, and luxury tax considerations, or b annual payroll expenditures. So you know it's, it's hard to say how the Nats are going to account for the Strasburg deal, or how they might get creative to fit Rendon in there. I think one thing we do know is that Anthony Rendon is is probably less amenable to one of these creatively structured contracts. Yeah, uh, I mean especially because his market seems very strong. Well, yeah, I, it's clear that the same money elsewhere. And I, it, it does. I mean, again, we can't speak for these people because we don't know them personally. But I don't know how attached he is to staying in D.C. I mean, it's hard to say. Uh, I, I don't think he would turn down the Nats if they were the best offer out there. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of, we, we got a rumor. Uh, who knows how true it is that the White Sox outbid the Nats by $1 million, uh, that they bid $246 million to the Nats, 245 for Strasburg. Obviously, Strasburg really thought he was coming back to D.C. Uh, that's sort of been the scuttlebutt around baseball this whole offseason. Uh, apparently, Jason Stark, a couple weeks ago, uh, was talking with a source who had also been involved in the Strasbourg negotiations, and, and he came out, uh, the, the source came away with it, or from those negotiations, basically saying, yeah, Strasbourg is going back to, to D.C. So it's not, so the, here's the question, though. Mm-hmm. Um, how, I mean, Donaldson's going to get 25 easy, and he got 25 last year as a one-year deal, so he could probably get 375, 4,100. How yeah, I, I've been seeing. Here's the thing about Donaldson: his market is so wide. Basically, mm-hmm. I mean, the Nats are going to be in on him. The Phillies, who might not be in on Rendon, will be in on Rent on Donaldson. The Braves are looking to re-sign Donaldson, although I'm pretty sure he might be getting out of their price range. Uh, along with that, every team who might have had the money for Rendon but loses out on him will be in on Donaldson. Like, I still think Donaldson signs before Rendon. Maybe, but 
I think at this point we're looking at Donaldson maybe getting a four-year deal. That's, uh, that seems to be the the consensus thought on it now. And it might be for 110 to 120 million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a question of whether you know you're comfortable paying 75 million for Rendon and Strasburg, or 65 million for Donaldson and Strasburg. And I don't see that as as a huge sticking point. Yeah. I mean, so, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, um, question not. lies is if you can't, you know, again, signing two players to that much money is a lot of money to give out. And so I, 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 I don't know if there's a huge difference between Rendon and Donaldson in terms of AAV. Um, it'll, it'll be something. No, it'll, it'll, it'll be maybe around $10 million. Yeah. So that's big, but the the problem lies in the fact that the Nats don't get Rendon, they don't get Donaldson. Who do they get play third base next year? Right. There are because there aren't many options out there besides those two. No, there are options, but there I mean, are obviously good Chris options. Bryant might be available, and the talk seems to be that he it certainly is available. Teams want to wait until um, his grievance is settled. But the Phillies right. and Braves have been attached to him. I mean, the Braves are a great fit for him. They have prospects they can give up. And get him. So if the Braves, I mean, I, I fear that actually happening, coming into fruition, is the Braves getting Bryant. But the problem is the Nats can't outbid any team on, on, a, on a quality third baseman. No, not in terms of prospects. I mean, and there yeah. aren't there aren't a ton out there. Obviously, no. something I saw that I thought was pretty interesting was Whit Merrifield. Uh, I, I was thinking that too. Merrifield, thirty-one years old. Um, he's, you know. Very cost controlled. He signed that four-year, thirty million dollar deal last year. Uh, he's a guy I think the Nats could probably afford. Uh, although I, I could see you know a team like the Cubs doing kind of a three-way trade, getting Merrifield, giving up Bryant because Merrifield's more cost controlled, which is yeah. silly. Who knows what the, the the Cubs want to do? Yeah, well, I'm I don't know if they're up the Cubs. Well, I hate the Cubs and would like them and their fans to be miserable and to remember what it's like to be miserable again. Uh, but that's just my shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I just, I don't understand, like, are they going to try and reconfigure and contend with a slightly lower payroll? Are they just going to blow shit up? I mean, I, I don't know really how they contend with that division getting better without Unless, Chris Bryant. Yeah. Or adding. I mean, they probably need to add. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the only their problem one. Is, their problem is, is that their money is tied up a lot. They have a similar issue to the Red Sox. Where their money is tied up a lot in starting pitching and aging starting pitching. They're they're a little worse off than the Red Sox, I'd say. I mean the Red Sox's main problem is that their starting pitching is injured. The Cubs problem is that their starting pitching is getting worse with age. You know, right. Lester, um, Darvish kinda had a bounce back second half, so that's a, a good sign for them. But Quintana has not looked like the guy they wanted him to be. Um, they were so all not... adequate last year. They were all above average. Yeah, I mean, now they lost Hamels, so. Um, but, yeah, I just don't, I, I, yeah, I don't know what the Cubs will do. I, I, I can't see them trading Bryant unless they get a deal that blows him away. I can't see, I mean, it doesn't sound like Lindor's going anywhere now, although that could change in a minute. Um, I don't think Betts is going to go anywhere. I don't think any of these top names that people are throwing around are going to go anywhere. Yeah, I would be, I mean, the problem that you have is that these are all players on teams that are 
ostensibly trying to compete, even if they're taking a step back payroll-wise. So you're going to have to really pry if yeah. you want those players. Uh, and the Red Sox especially feel like they can't possibly get, and they're right about this, they can't possibly get uh, the value that you would want in exchange for moving a player like Mookie Betts. No. Because baseball is obsessed with years of team control, uh, notwithstanding the fact that if a team offered Mookie Betts $400 million right now, they could control him for as long as they wanted. Uh, but... Yeah, I, I just, I don't see, uh, Bryant is tricky, and he's complicated, especially because of the grievance, uh, and if the Cubs really do need to move payroll, I don't know what it is that they do. Uh, mm -hmm. I just, I don't know what moves are available to them. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, I really don't know what third baseman you could get. I mean, an interesting option would have been Jonathan VR, who was a four-win player last year, um, Put him at but second, keep him at third. Would have been it's a, it was an option. I mean, I think VR regresses big time this year, most likely. Why do you the, think that? I don't know. I don't because he's never been this type of player. Sure, he has. Twenty-four homer guy. Okay, in terms of homers, no, he hasn't. But in terms of value per year, he absolutely has. He was well, a four-win player in twenty sixteen. Uh, he was a three-win player in twenty eighteen. Hmm. So yeah, I mean he. I Did understand you say what you're saying. A four one player? He was a four one player in twenty sixteen. He was a three one player in twenty sixteen. That was his only other good year. Not I mean I am looking at B War here. Are you looking at F war? Yes. In twenty sixteen he stole sixty two bags and he had an eight twenty six OPS. He had nineteen homers that year. I guess he's done this before. Yeah, it's it's not he, he had a better OPS plus in twenty sixteen than he did in twenty nineteen. Yeah. Uh, and he was had a better OPS, so He's good defensively, maybe. I mean, not to get tied up on Jonathan. Peter, yeah, because it doesn't I matter. Mean, but good for the Marlins for signing him and actually adding players. I mean, they've been, they were tied a little bit to Nick Castellanos, which would have been an interesting signing. It's not going to happen now, but, like, it sounds like they're trying some stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the problem with this free agent market is that there are basically a couple of top tier options and then the thing gets i mean the field gets really thin after that mm -hmm. uh and there's not a lot of room to be creative because you know that the best players really play you know third base this market was only deep at third base uh and i guess the reds got creative and they just took a third baseman and said okay you're playing second base now uh but I, I don't know what the other options are for the Nats. The problem is, again, I mean, it's, that is the thing, though. Like, the, if the Dodgers signed Rendon, we're talking about a team that has a third baseman. Uh, I suppose the Dodgers signed Rendon, they might be amenable to moving Max Muncy. Hmm. I don't really know what their plan is, because I know that they want to keep t Justin Turner in the fold. Well, I've yeah, I don't think they want to trade Turner, but, I mean, Muncy's better than Turner. Not really. I mean, J Justin Turner's a four- to six-win player. He has been. Uh, the difference is that Turner has one more year on his contract, uh, and Muncy is, I, I'm not sure how long he's under control, but 
a while, I think. Like at least three more years. Well, he's yep, three more years exactly. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't really know what they're doing. They've got Gavin Lux, who's probably going to start at second next year. They've got Corey Seager, who's going to start at short next year. They've got Cody Bellinger, who they want to really play in the infield more. They want to. Well, I don't think that's true. It depends. They've got they've got a lot of positional flexibility, and they've got a lot of players. That's why they're a very good team. Yes. Uh, I mean, obviously, you could move. I mean, but even if you take Bellinger out of the infield, you still have three players, and you sign Rendon, you've still got three players for two infield spots. Yeah, and I, I mean the Dodgers I mean, game I, plan there is just signing the best player available and fitting him in however you want. And it's smart because it Anthony Rendon, like that's what more teams should do. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess that obviously having too much talent is is a good problem to have. Yeah, uh, I mean that's the Dodgers, the Dodgers have had the last couple of years. But they haven't played in the the big pool of the free agent market yet. No, they excited. haven't. I mean they they spend mostly on their own guys. That's well, they spend on their own. They they have cut payroll over the past four years by, I think it's like twenty five percent. Yes, but they're just waiting until next year's free agent class to sign a guy. That's always everyone's excuse. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, what I was trying to say is you've got two guys left at third for four or five open spots for contenders. Uh, which, by the way, is great to see that everyone is trying to fill their spots. Like, that there are that many contenders with holes that are trying to fill them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, you've got three within division uh, at third base, and that's pretty scary. Obviously, yeah. I mean, the Braves probably need a third baseman the least because they can I mean, they have Austin the Riley. They have, they, have op- they have an option there. Right, they can just move Riley, but they really don't have. If, if they do that, if they choose to move Riley to third, then I mean, and it, it would make sense because then they would still have players to cover every other position, uh, having re-signed Nick Markakis for some reason. Uh, they wouldn't have the same lineup depth that they had last year, and that's what made them really great. Yeah. Obviously, they could reinvest in the rotation. They could sign Madison Bumgarner. That's another way they could go about it. Uh, they have they, a good lineup and a great rotation. Right. And they've got, they've got more options than, say, the Nats. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nats have options. that they, they have openings at first, second, and third if they want to improve. But the only way that they can really – get back to the the talent level that they had was sign Rendon or sign Donaldson because there just aren't impact bats at first or second. Uh, I mean, there's nice pieces. I really like Eric Thames. Uh, I mean, second base, they've got Carter Keyboom. Who's, and, they, and they got Howie already, so. Right, who's Howie can start at second if, if Keyboom's not ready. Uh, but they don't have the same chances to get creative and neither do the neither do the Phillies uh unless they're willing to I mean Phillies do still have open spots in the rotation if they have they open spots to. in the rotation they have plenty of open spots in the lineup 
Do they? They could. They could. I mean, I could see them. I, I think they'll sign Didi. That's true. They. I yeah. mean, they. They don't. And then they have a hole at second. They have a hole at third. They have a and hole at second and third. But can, like, like we keep saying, there's good val. I mean, there's good players available at third, not so much at second. Yeah. Well, and then they can also move um, Seager to not Seager Segura to uh, second. So. Yeah. And get a shortstop. Right. Yeah, I mean, there are things they can do. Yeah. I think the Nats are probably the most locked in on a third baseman of anyone in the division. Yeah. But I think all three teams probably see – I mean, you could make the argument now that the Nats probably see Donaldson as their first choice. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. So, yeah, when all three teams are targeting the same player and they're all in division and they're all looking to win that division, that's how you get a 34-year-old with a four-year deal. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. I like I, I don't know what tact the Nats will take. I think that signing Rendon for forty mil a year instead of Donaldson for thirty mil a year, when you're talking about a lot fewer suitors within your own division, I think it makes sense. But I mean, obviously, if they have payroll limits that they're not willing to go above, they shouldn't. Because they just made so much money from winning the World Series. But if they have them and they can spend on Donaldson but not on Rendon, or if spending on Rendon would mean going into the season with one bullpen guy again, uh, yeah. then they're going to have to get creative. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather them fill out a bullpen and sign Donaldson, which is the real reason why I want them. To, I'd rather them sign Donaldson than Rendon. Well, not rather. I think it's smarter for them to sign Donaldson than Rendon because then you'll have more money available to sign bullpen pieces. Well, and yeah, again, no luxury tax, whatever, whatever, whatever. You can spew all that all you want. But there are limitations to the amount of money you can spend. And not, I know you're saying, well, not really, because you were about to say that. But I there was. are. No, I'm not sure. There are obviously limitations on the amount of money that you can spend. Or, or are willing to spend. But we yes. have to keep in mind that the Nets had a windfall year. Like, if ever there was a year to go way above uh, where you had been payroll-wise before while still maintaining the same amount of profit, it's this year. This is going to be... I mean, we're talking about a chance, if you repeat as champions, to... I, I mean to make obscene profits. Plus, you've already got the cushion of, you know, no matter how much you spend this year, as long as it's, you know, reasonable, even at $230 million, your profit margin probably looks the same or better this year than it did last year. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, but, I don't know. There are... It, if they're going to... You can't go out there and run out like a 275 Three hundred million dollar payroll. I don't expect them to do that, and I don't think anyone's asking them to. I think no. two hundred and twenty, two hundred twenty-five million would be totally reasonable. I don't know. Well, but if they're not willing to do that, yeah, uh, then yeah, I would say I would rather have Donaldson and a functional bullpen than Rendon and no functional bullpen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting. I don't. I don't anticipate Donaldson or Rendon signing at the winter meetings. I think one of them will sign. 
I think Donaldson will sign. I think that so much focus is going to be on Cole, the starting pitching market. Well, who's Donaldson's not represented by Boris, is he? No, Donaldson is the top free agent that is not represented by Boris. So I think that could be interesting. That could play out interesting because he's not represented by Boris and that he might be pushing harder for it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but I do think we'll see Cole sign. Uh, if I had to make a prediction, it'll be the Yankees. It'll be, I'm going to say, 10 years and $340 million. Whew. That's my a prediction. A lot of dough. Uh, and then as far as Nats additional moves this winter meetings, I think they'll sign a reliever or two. I think they probably bring back Daniel Hudson. Yeah, I think they bring back Hudson. I think they make a trade. Yeah, and I don't see them being in on Will Harris, as I think no. I said. Uh, I think Hudson will be our one free agent ad, and then we'll make a trade for like a reliever, and then well, they another need one. like I've they said, need... they they need three. Yeah. So, although they signed some guy whose name I already forgot, Kyle Finnegan. Finnegan. Yeah, I'm not counting on him ever becoming a Nat. I think he'll be a Nat. I mean, we signed to a major league deal. Yeah, that was weird. He's 28 yeah. years old. I don't really, and he's never pitched the major league level. I don't, I don't really know. I got, a, I got a gut feeling about him. Well, they've got so many open 40 man spots. I guess it doesn't matter anyway. It doesn't matter. They're at, they will be at 33 once Gomes and Kendrick's signings are announced, which is 34. 30, no, it's, they're at 31 now, I think. With Kyle Finnegan and then Strasburg. They're 32 no. now because they resigned Strasburg. Well, whatever. It doesn't matter. They, they, the point is they have a lot of open spaces. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it doesn't really matter. You can always just cut the guy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so... You managed to talk 38 minutes about the Steven Strasburg signing. I don't think that was particularly hard. I, I have much more I could say. Uh, but we won't. We'll save it for our next episode. So unless, right. like, the Nats get Donaldson or Rendon... We'll probably just do a, a winter meetings recap. I don't know. We'll probably talk again on Sunday. Yeah, or maybe before that. We'll see. Something could happen. I might not be able to do Sunday, but we'll talk off mic about planning. Okay. Yeah, maybe uh, they don't need to hear that. Yes. All right. All right. Well, we'll see you on our next episode. See you next episode.